Man, I'm, I'm glad to see you tonight, and I appreciate uh, your faithfulness. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Philippians. Wednesday night, I started a, a <clears throat> didn't realize it was going to be a series. Sometimes you get, you know, sometimes, you know, you just can't get unhooked from a particular point in the message. And uh, I want to continue on tonight, and we'll go as far as we can get in the time. But uh, I want to continue that thought, that message on winning over worry, winning over worry. And, uh, and so uh, Philippians chapter four, and let's read a few verses and, uh, and then we'll, we'll pray and begin. All right. Paul here is writing to the church at Philippi and uh, he had such a special relationship with them. He loved them greatly and they loved him more than one, on, more, on more than one occasion. They met his need. Pardon me, when he had a need, they sent unto him and, uh, and made sure that his needs were taken care of. And so they, they were very mindful of that. And so he says here, beginning in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. There's our thought. That's talking about worry. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so, uh, and so we want to examine this again to tonight, winning over worry. All right, so let's pray. Father, thank you for the precious word of God. It really is quick and powerful. It's alive, Lord. And I thank you for its piercing ability and its, uh, and its sharpness, dear God, able to get down where the, where the real root and core of the matter uh, lies. And Lord, you said it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. And so, Lord, we're counting on this word, Lord, to do the work of God. And I believe that. And so, Lord, as I've asked you before, Father, I, I pray that while I'm speaking on the outside, you, through the Holy Spirit, will speak to them on the inside. And, Father, I pray they'd get some help tonight, some encouragement tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, last time on Wednesday, I asked, I, I, I said, I wish that I could say with all honesty, since the day I got saved, I've never had a worry in my life, that I've never had a care, and, and, uh, or have I, have I ever had anything that ever caused me any stress? I wished I could say that. And Brother Bill, I asked him, I said, if there's anybody like that here, I want you to sign my Bible, all right? Because I'd like to meet the person that's never had a care in the world. And, uh, and, you know, they're just not out there because it's not, that's not realistic. And as, as I told Brother Larry, life does get complicated after you turn 18 or sometimes after you turn 65. Man, when I was trying to get all my paperwork done for Medicare and all that, they messed up my, my birthday. All the years that I was, they was putting money in there, you know, taking it out of my check, they never missed a beat. You know, never had any problem with that. And then when it came time to draw upon that, you know, suddenly somebody decided to change my birthday. And so they said, well, I'm not really me. And then, when I, then I had to prove to them who I was. Anyway, the bottom line is it took me about 
I guess it was about six months, wasn't it? About six months of paperwork and back and forth and, uh, and, and uh, proving who I was and all that kind of stuff, it created a little worry for me. And uh, I'm just being honest. And so, but uh, you know, worry, and I used Irma Bombat last time, what does worry do? Worry's like getting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't take you anywhere, amen? And so, uh, so worrying only makes you gray and it will ruin your health if you do that. And one of the things that we looked at, well, how to win one of the remedies that Paul gives in this passage was about rejoicing in the Lord. And you know, your outlook has a lot to do with the outcome. And I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking because you know, if I could, I would try to think my way to have a little more hair, maybe to have a little slimmer waist again, and, uh, and maybe not to be gray. But thinking about it is not gonna, uh, no matter how positive I am, I'm sorry, darling, it's just not coming back, all right? And uh, you'll just have to get used to it the way that it is. And, uh, and so by thinking about it, it's not going to make it any better, if you will, in that sense. And so, but rejoicing in the Lord, man, it changes my whole outlook because it changes the atmosphere in which I live. Look, keep your place here. Go with me to Psalm 5. Go to Psalm number 5. And I want you to see this verse with me, Psalm 5. If you split your Bible in half, and I know that you know, but I'm saying for those who, who might be listening at home, if you'll split your Bible in half, you should come to the book of Psalms and find Psalm number 5. And I think you'll find something interesting here, something that David prayed for and that he said, and, uh, and, and listen to what he says here in verse 11, Psalm 5 and verse 11. It says, but let all those that put their trust in thee be, be sad. Is that what it says? It says, no, rejoice, right? Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. Did you ever have one of them times when you just got the can't help it? And, uh, and you just shouted and, you know, waved to the Lord. Because thou defendest them, let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Look at verse 12. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. With thou, wilt thou compass him as with a shield? And so God inhabits the praises of his people. And it's hard, if you will, it's hard to stay focused on the worry when you're in a spirit and attitude of praise and worship. And that word rejoice means to be happy and full of gladness. And, uh, and we have many things, if you and I just stop and think about it, we do have many things over which to rejoice. And, and you know, when Peter's eyes, because when we're rejoicing in the Lord, our focus and attention is on him. Just like when Peter stepped out of the boat, he, his, when his eyes were on the Lord, he didn't waver. The wind and the waves, the, whatever the clouds were, whatever was on the horizon, didn't matter. But when his attention got off the Lord, it began to matter. And down he went. And, uh, and so you and I, we need to maintain that, all right? But not only that, go back with me to Philippians and let, let's continue on with the thought of uh, what's the, the other remedy that he mentions here. And it's in verse 5 of Philippians 4. I'll give you time to turn back there. 
verse 5 of Philippians 4. Notice what he says. It says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And that word moderation there simply means a yielding to him, a reasonableness as you approach him being yielded to him. And it says, let, it, let that be known unto all men. In other words, that when you and I, we have this attitude of submission to him, that has an effect on people. Because you know, the scripture does say that we're supposed to be ready to give an answer or reason to every man who asks us of the hope that we have in us, right? We're, we're, to be, we're to be doing that. And so when I am yielded to the Lord, and if you will, in that moderation, giving myself to him, that, uh, that what I'm really doing is I'm relying upon the Lord. And that's what he wants you to do. I'm relying upon him. Because a lot of times, so many of the things that cause us to worry, we really don't have any control over those things. And only the Lord can exercise his sovereignty over life. We don't have that. We don't have that ability. I, I can't just sovereignly decide that I'm going to do this or do that. No, I don't have that. But the Lord has that. And, and Brother Larry reminded me about something last Wednesday. He said, you know, a lot of times he heard from another preacher, said a lot of times the things that we worry about, they never come to pass anyway. And, uh, and that's true. Things are seldom as they are first reported and seldom as they appear. And, uh, and you, you and I, we can't become distracted about that. So, so we need to have that. We need to learn how to rejoice in the Lord. And we need to learn how to rely upon him. It is that yieldedness. And when I, when I think about that, I think about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Probably you could quote that verse. What does it say? Trust in the Lord. What? At what, what, with all your heart, right? And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. He'll direct our path. So, so that practicing, and that's the thing here that you and I are going to have to be, is doers of the word and not hearers only. We've got to implement these things. We've got to, I hope maybe you had some reasons. Did you, did you do any rejoicing between Wednesday and today? Did you find something that you could rejoice about? You know, I think I mentioned about, man, something that makes me happy is when the boat starts. When I want to, after I get it off the, after I get it off the trailer, I want the boat to start to go fishing. And when I'm ready to come home, I want the boat to start to be able to go in the other direction. And so you and I, we have some reasons, a lot of reasons to rejoice. I hope that you did that to find some, think on those things, but also to rely on him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. When all my heart is involved, I don't really have time, if you will, or energy to, uh, to place into my worry. Trusting God is the biggest thing. And it's not our begging that moves God. It is our believing Him. Believing Him. So, so when I think about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I, I think about trusting Him with the timing of things. You know, time means nothing to God. It's interesting. He sees the beginning from the end. It's almost as if, you know, uh, you know, a black folks say, boy, the Lord is, sits high, but he's able to look low. And man, I'm glad that he is. And uh, he's an on-time God. They used to sing a song that said, he may not be there when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. 
He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. And that's true. We think, we think oftentimes that, man, it's got to be right now. Of all the things that's hard for us to do, it is to wait. It is to wait. You say, Brother Ed, man, I'm 80 years old. I've been waiting most of my life. Yep, that's true. And, uh, and you'd think that we would be better at it by the time we got to be this age, but that's not true. And so, and so we have to trust the Lord's timing in things. Time means nothing to God, but timing means everything. You know, you think about it, when they were down in Egypt, you remember when Israel was down in Egypt? 400 years, the Bible says, and they had been crying, praying, asking God for a deliverer. And yet the Lord finally, he says, you know, later on there in the book of Exodus, that I've heard their cry. Well, was he not listening before? No, he was listening. It just wasn't the right time. And you say, well, you know, why wasn't Jesus born in this dispensation, in this era right now? Man, we've got videotape. we got cameras. You know, I mean, you know, when World War II was going on, it took a long time for something on the battlefield to make it to the newspaper. When, you know, if you didn't have shortwave radio or whatever, if you didn't have something like that, you weren't, uh, you weren't privy to what was going on. It came by telegraph or it came by, by uh, sometimes maybe a telephone or by, by a messenger. Someone was actually carrying a piece of paper going from house to house, reporters and so forth. Man, something happens on the other side of the world. They sneeze and we catch a cold. I mean, because the, the information is instantaneous. And I, I submit to you, it's too much information that's out there today. But, uh, but the timing of things, well, how, come, how come he wasn't born in, in this time? Being, being born of a virgin, man, that would have that, that gone around the world. In just an instant, that would have happened. Well, you know, but the, the, the Lord loves faith. It's what pleases him. I just know this. He chose the time, and the book of Galatians says, but it was in the fullness of time. It's when God decided that he was going to be born into this world, born of a virgin. So God's timing, I have to trust him with my circumstances for God's timing. I can't get ahead of him. That's not going to help me, and I don't want to lag behind him. I don't, want, I don't want to be late on the situation, but I'm just desiring God's time, God's timing in my life. It also there in Proverbs 3, it talks about your treasure. It talks about honoring the Lord with the first fruits of thine increase, right? Trusting him with our substance. And so it means trusting him with our treasure. Sometimes people worry about that at the end of their life. They're concerned about, well, you know, how are we going to make it? We got this, we're on fixed income and so forth. Listen, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I've always felt like whenever I needed something, he'd just sell a few head. Amen. And, uh, and I've had some circumstances where God has met the need. And, uh, and, you know, and I've said some silly things prior to that and then have to eat my words and apologize to him for his faithfulness. And the Lord is faithful with that and trusting him with our treasures and trust him also with our training. There in that chapter 3 of Proverbs, it talks about not fainting from the chastening of the Lord. What's he doing? Chastening is not always punishment, but chastening is teaching. And I have to trust him with all those things. Learning to rely upon the Lord 
And, and uh, you know, and he gave also, he gave his disciples, when Jesus was here, he gave his disciples similar instruction. Look, at, look at, you're there in Philippians. Turn back left, look in the book of Matthew with me. We're talking about learning how to rely. If I, if I want to win over worry, then I've got to learn to trust the Lord, rely on the Lord's timing, rely on the Lord's training, and rely on, if you will, and rely upon him for my daily bread. Look, notice what it says there in Matthew chapter 6. I know you know this passage. And look what it says. Let me find your place there in verse 25. Matthew chapter 6 and look in verse 25. I'm trying to get there. All right. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. I know it's in my Bible. Notice what he says. Verse 25. He said this. He said, therefore I say unto you, take no thought. Oh, there's that worrying. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? There are more things in this life and, and that you and I can trust him. Look at verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take your thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Now I, I know that, that we have needs and so forth, but David said this. He said, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken and I've never seen the, 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 the king's kids, if you will, children of the king, begging bread. Probably I could, get, I could get testimony after testimony of how God has supplied your need over the years. May not always have been everything that you wanted, but it's been the things that you needed, and it was always enough. It was always enough. Notice what he said. Look in verse 33, same chapter. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Why? Seeking Him. That's a reliance upon Him and His righteousness doing those things. All right, there was a, there was a, a, a robin said to a sparrow, I should really like to know why these human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, I suppose that it must be they have no heavenly Father such as cares for you and me. You know that poem, don't you, brother? Yeah, I mean, but and so and so are you not worth more than two sparrows? If the Lord notices when a sparrow falls out of a tree or a little boy shoots him out of there with a BB gun or a slingshot or whatever, if the Lord notices that, I'll guarantee you, beloved, he notices the things about you and your life and your circumstances. He sees through all those things. That's one thing that we love about him. There was a little girl, true story. There was a little girl, you can go back to Philippians with me. There was a little girl and uh, she lived in the late 1800s. In the late 1800s was the time of these fast sailing schooners. Now a schooner is a very sleek ship. And, uh, and those schooners would were, were at the place 
where their seamanship and so forth, they were making trips between England and America, these fast sailing schooners. And, uh, and so there was a captain there and he had a daughter. She was about 10 years old. And man, from about, from about the time that he was doing this work, she would beg him on every trip, Father, may I, may I go with you to America? May I go with you to America? And he would say, no, lass, you cannot go. You cannot go. And so, man, she'd be disappointed. I'll be back in three months or whatever time frame it was. He would make the journey back and forth. And, uh, and so this just kept on over the next couple of years. She would ask him nearly every time, and he would just kind of glance at her, no, no, lass, you can't go. I'm sorry, darling, not on this trip. Not on. He wouldn't promise her, but, but, uh, but she just the answer was no. But she was unrelenting in her asking. And finally, one time, she's about 10 years old now, and he says, all right, daughter, you may go with me. And man, she's so excited, and she gets on the schooner, and they set sail out of, out of the harbor there, out from England. And you know, the North Atlantic is a, is a, can be a wild place as far as the oceans are concerned. And I've heard Brother Graham talk about some of those offshore platforms out there in the North Sea. And and the like, and how those wind and waves can rage. And anyway, they're on this schooner, and of course, you know, hurricanes and storms, a lot of times they just come in the night, don't they? They seem to come in the night, and so this was no exception. Here is a, is a huge storm that the schooner is now making its way through. And, uh, and the little girl, she's in her berth and she's asleep and suddenly she's awakened to the sounds of screaming and hollering and crying and carrying on. Just chaos down there in these berths and uh, where these people are staying in this voyage. And the purser is there and he's trying to calm these people as you can imagine. You know, like either put your life jacket on or whatever. I don't even know if they had those in those days. But he's trying to calm these people. And suddenly on his waistcoat, he feels someone tugging at him. And, and, he's, and he turns around and it's that 10-year-old little girl. And she says, is my father on the deck? And he looks down at her and says, yes, lass, he is. And that purser reported that with that, she just turned around and smartly went back to her berth and climbed up in there and soon was fast asleep. You see, it matters who's on the deck of your ship. She knew that as long as her father was on the deck, everything was going to be all right. And I just want you to know tonight, beloved, listen, our blessed Savior is on the throne. Amen. He's not surprised by what you and I are experiencing or what we are yet to experience. I don't know what's going to be on the horizon. I don't know who's going to win the next elections. I don't have to know those things. I just need to know, is my father on the deck? Amen. And regardless of the storm, I suspect he will see us through. Why? Because we're his children. And as a result, you and I can rely upon him. And listen to this verse in Isaiah 26. It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, for he trusteth in thee. Philippians, you know, is referred to as the mental health book of the New Testament. The word mind is mentioned here some ten times. And God wants you to have peace of mind. You and I, we've got to learn how to rejoice, and we've got to learn how to rely and then I go back to Philippians with me and look in verse 6. Not only rely, but beloved, you and I, we need to learn how to release our burdens. 
We've got to learn how to release our burdens. God knows that you have burdens. I know that you got burdens. I've seen them in the prayer, in, in the prayer list, in the bulletin. Sometimes it says unspoken, and I notice that that we haven't taken those off of there. Sister Kathy hasn't removed them. I guess because you all haven't said, hey, that prayer's been answered or, or that's not an issue anymore. That, that's still an issue. And I say to you, beloved, keep praying. Amen. Keep looking to God. He's faithful. And sometimes, you know, for loved ones that are yet to be saved, people have prayed sometimes 20 years, 25 years. And finally, God, not because God was slack in his love or care for them, but finally that heart finally got tender enough to where it would turn to the Lord in faith and be saved. But here I want you to see, not only do we need to learn to rejoice and learn to rely, but you and I have got to learn how to release our burdens. Notice what this says. Notice what it says. It says, be careful for nothing, but what? But, by, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Beloved, this is why our prayer life is so important. It's so vital. It's like breathing. You know, you and I, we, we've got to breathe if we're going to maintain and sustain our lives. And, and prayer ought to be like, like breathing. I don't have to think about it. I, I see that there are some gray heads here. I don't know if you were blonde when you were younger or not. You know, a blonde got to, like, they got to tell themselves, you know, inhale, oh, exhale. You're not like that, all right? And, uh, and, so, and so you and I, we've got we've to learn, though, how to let go. That's what release means to release the burdens and leave them with him. Again, I say this is why our prayer life is so very important. Uh, uh, you know, and, and look at what Paul has learned. Notice what he said. You're right there in chapter 4. Look over in verse 10. I want you to see this. Paul practiced what he preached. He practiced what he told them. Notice what he says, verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Ah, there he is, rejoicing in the Lord, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now watch. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. How did he learn that? He went through those things, but certainly he must have relied upon the Lord, if you will, and released those burdens. What was he doing the night there in that Philippian jail? What was he doing? They were singing and they were praising God. And I suspect there was some prayer going on. And that place shook with an earthquake. The jailer comes in. I mean, God blessed and met and met the need of that evening for them. Notice what he said. I know both how to be abased, verse 12. That means how to have nothing and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Notice what he says. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. There was the balance. It wasn't just that he could do all things on his own. No, he was relying and he had learned how to bring his request. He had learned how to pray and trust God. And because of that, he could do all things through Christ, which strengthened him. 
And so what happens when you and I are praying, beloved, there are some angels that minister to us just like they minister to the Lord. The scripture says in the book of Psalms that the angels encamp round about them that fear him. And I believe people that fear God are also praying people, learning to trust him and learning to bring those petitions, learning to bring those things to him. That's where he says back there, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication. Prayer is that communion. Supplication has to do with meeting a need. Sometimes it's intercessory prayer. That's praying for others. Not worrying, but bringing those things. And, and you know, what, what did Peter tell us about this? Go, go to 1 Peter with me. Look at chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. I won't make you turn anymore. I'm almost done. First Peter chapter 5. I want you to see this. I think Brother Ed will like this. In particular, something that is said here. What does Peter tell us to do? He says what? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now that word care there, casting all your care, let's look at the word casting first. Literally, do you know what that means? It means to throw. That's what the releasing is. It means to throw that burden, that thing which is causing you anxiety, it means to throw it. I mean, what good is a cast net if you don't ever let it go? You're not going to get any bait fish like that. You're not going to accomplish the, the goal that you have. You've got to learn how to let that thing go. It's like saddling a horse. You know, in, the, in Luke's gospel, in chapter 19, they talk about this. Don't turn there. But in, 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 uh, in verse 35, it says this of the disciples. Notice, li listen to what this says. And it says, and they brought him to Jesus, speaking of that colt, and they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. Brother, it's like saddling a horse. You can pick that, you can pick that saddle up, but it's not going to do any good until you let it go and put it on the back of the horse. And that's what this passage is saying. Casting all your care. And that's a plural word, which means all of your cares. It could be anything and everything that becomes burdensome to you. Everything and anything that is burdensome to you, you can place it upon the Lord. And that latter part says, why? Because he careth for you. That's a singular word, careth. Singular. You know what? There's only one thing on your heavenly Father's mind. And you know what that is? It's his children. He's got a singular thought. And that thought is, is that he cares for his children. I know, I think, about, I think about our children. Don't you think about yours? I hear about them in your conversations. That tells me if you're talking about them, you must be thinking about them too. And I think that our Heavenly Father, he's the best father that ever there was. And isn't it interesting? He never gets my needs confused with yours. Amen. You know, you need something else and he sends you like, it's not like the post office. You know, you get other people's mail. God doesn't do that. He can sort through all those things and meet the need exactly. Release your burdens. 
Why waste your energy carrying this stuff around with you? Do you remember in Pilgrim's Progress, when Pilgrim was there, he was stooped over, what did he have? It was that bag of sin. And he had to let that go. And, and so it is in our lives. Don't carry those things around. Learn how to let go and let God work through that situation because you know what our worrying is not going to change it you're not going to fix it by by if you will fixating upon it sometimes you know you get so close to a problem what's the old saying you can't see the forest for the trees right you just get so, so close to it you can't really see the big picture because you're focused on this sometimes if you let it go kind of back away from it Give that thing to God. You can see more clearly when your mind is at ease, when your mind is focused on Him. And it, 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 I mean, I'm sure that you've done it at some point in time in your life. You let that thing go and say, God, I've given this to you and I'm not going to pick it up again. I'm trusting you with it and I'm waiting on you to work. Amen. And it's a relief. When you give that thing over to God, it is how you win over worry. It's just one of the remedies. Learn to rejoice. Find something to be grateful for. Find something that you can praise the Lord for. And you know what? I don't think you really have to look very long and look very hard to find something. Uh, you know, and then learn how to rely upon Him. Boy, you know that songwriter said, Oh, for grace to what? To trust Him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, we got to learn to do that even at our age. You know, we're, 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 you know, there's three groups of people that are mentioned in the book of 1 John over there. It talks about, it talks about those children, those, those children that are there. They just got in, right? And then there's those young men the word of God abides in them, so forth. And then there's those fathers. What are fathers doing? They're feeding, they're teaching those children and those young men. Why? And he said, because you have known the father. And there's some things that we've learned over the years. And that's why I say that you still have a role in the church. In the book of Titus, it talks about aged men and aged women having their role in the ministry and you do have a role and yet it's now we're not talking about teaching someone else we're talking about teaching ourselves <laughs> sometimes that's a sometimes that's a bigger hurdle teaching ourselves you know that's what have you ever told your children now listen don't i need you to do as i say not as i do now that never works right do as i say but not as i'm doing no that doesn't work and so you and i we need to learn how to rely and how to let these things go. You know, the Lord knows. He knows the timing. He knows when. He knows the how. He knows the beginning from the end. And it is a matter, and I'll tell you what, you know what will happen? What will happen is there's the rest that comes. The rest. Look what he says, and I am going to be done. You can go back to Philippians. I'm going to be done right there. There is the rest that comes. Look at, verse seven, look at verse 7. It says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. 
peace that passes all understanding. Do you understand? It's almost that that word keep there is like the word garrison. Some of you that were in the army, you were a part of a garrison, I bet you, at one time. A garrison is something that stands between the enemy forces and where the rest of the troops are housed. A garrison is there, and that's what God says about his peace. It serves like as a buffer. It serves as a shield and shelter from the things that might want to disturb us. When we've given that over, to the, to the one who is piloting our ship and casting our care upon him. Hearts and minds are kept in sort of a protective custody because God's interested in your mental health as well as your spiritual health because your thoughts matter to God. Your thought life matters. And he wants those things to be right. Remember what David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. That word acceptable means pleasing. Let them be acceptable unto thee in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Christ is who we needed for eternal life. And he's the one that we need for everyday life. Turn those things over to him. He'll meet the need and give you the peace. The peace of God. We got peace with God when we got saved. But now he wants us to enjoy the peace of God. So if you're going to work on your thoughts, do what it says. Look down there in verse, look in verse 8. He says, finally, brethren. I know that's where you're wanting me to get to. Finally, brethren. All right. Look what he says. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. So the remedies, the remedy that we have, learn how to rejoice, learn to rely. That, that is a, you know, when you're in God's school, you think maybe I might be getting through this. And, you know, in God's school, I've had to repeat a class or two. I don't know about y'all because I didn't get it right the first time. And so I'm learning how to rely. Learn to let those things go. Release your burden. Rest on the results and reinforce then thinking about the right things. Things that are lovely. Things that are just. Things that are of good report. Virtuous things. Consume your thoughts with those rather than just on, on those things. Why? The man who doesn't rule his thoughts has a hard time ruling his spirit. And you want to be able to rule your spirit. You don't want to be like that man in the book of Proverbs. It's like a city without walls, right? That means he's subject to every influence, subject to every distraction. And we need to maintain our focus. The weapons of our warfare, one of the things that we're supposed to do is that we're supposed to bring our thoughts into captivity. You know, you're not responsible for every thought that you have. Did you know that? Sometimes the devil will just bring a thought by or somebody will make an impression, put a thought on your mind. It's when you and I begin to mull it over. It's when you and I begin to give it time or give it place that now that we become responsible for that thought life. But some of those things that come along, you've just got to say, you know what, Lord, I know that's not true. The Bible says this. That's bringing your thoughts into captivity. As much as if you were on guard, if you will, hey, get your hands up. I'm bringing you right to Jesus. Why? Because, man, that thought, you don't belong here. That's not true. That's not what God said. And I don't believe that lie. 
Sometimes you do have to talk to yourself about those things and have to say, you know what, that's not right, and I know that's not so. The Bible says this. Sometimes, you know, it wouldn't hurt you. I, I hope maybe that you got a songbook at the house. Maybe you've got a little old, uh, a little paperback thing or whatever. Some of those songs, man, do you ever just sing to him? Uh, do you ever just, do you just ever uh, have a song with him sometime while you're going down the road or while you're in your truck or maybe when you're on the boat or maybe even on the back of a horse? I don't know, but, but somehow you're communing with him while you're working on your thought life. You're bringing these things into captivity, reinforcing the kind of thinking that God wants us to be involved in. Why? That I might win that battle over worry. He doesn't want you to worry. He just wants you to look to him. He'll meet the need. He'll take care of you. He is unchanging, is he not? The same, the same God that took care of you in your youth when you were a young Christian is the same Father that will look after you now that you're a seasoned saint. Amen? And uh, we can rely upon him. He is faithful. All right? But we got to be doers. You got to put it into practice. You can talk about it. That's different than doing it. Amen? All right. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed. Sister, we won't have an invitation tonight. We don't need to do that. But we'll just pray and be dismissed. Father, I sure do thank you, Lord, for the truth of the word of God. Teach us, Father, how to do these things, how to win the battle over worry. And I pray, dear God, that we might experience that real joy and, uh, Lord, the fullness, the, that part of that abundant life that Christ promised those who have trusted him as their Savior. He said, Lord, you said that I've come to give them life and have it that life more abundantly. God, help us to let go of the things, the cares of this world that want to ensnare us and entangle us and discourage us. Lord, I pray that when that next event comes along, God will handle it differently. Bless uh, these dear people. Lord, I love them and I pray, Father, that they would be strengthened and encouraged with might in the inner man. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.